Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast. Today I'm rejoined by Nick Morris, former Football Index employee from their marketing department. Nick, how's it going, mate? Not bad. Thanks for having me, Pat. How are you? Not too bad, mate. You appeared on episode 48, so it's nearly 30 episodes since you appeared. How, how are you feeling? Yeah, good. It's, I mean, it's, it's been all changed, really, I think. There's, um, if, I, if I think back to the way that I was trading then and the way that I'm trading now, it's actually changed kind of beyond recognition almost. Um, I think that, you know, there's, there's a lot more volatility in the market these days. And I think that I've done something which I have actually kind of never thought that I would do, which is move into more kind of intern intraday trading where I'm not really holding players for more than about three or four days at a time. Um, and I think that like the swings and the volatility that we're seeing in players enables you to be able to trade like that, where I don't think that was actually possible the last time we spoke. I think, you know, mm. how many times before did we see pound, one pound rises, one pound plus rises in, on, in a, on a 24 hour time scale? Um, whereas now it's actually like fairly commonplace. Yeah, definitely. And, and do you think that's been part and parcel because there was that uncertainty as to what was going to happen with a share split. But uh, to be fair, even since the announcement, we've seen some big rises. Yeah, I mean, I think that what has almost happened is that all of the players, when the when the share split announcement first came out and people knew that there was going to be a share split, but not the actual divisible figure, I think that a lot of people did move their portfolios towards these players who were going to go up. So in January, we saw the massive rises in Pogba, which obviously came hand in hand with the fact that he was playing well and new manager, etc., but then after a while, it seemed like those prices started to kind of slow down slightly for a lot of the players at the top. And then that money started to go into youngsters and it just became a trend whereby even if people didn't necessarily agree with what was going on and who was being bought, people kind of got FOMO and they, they didn't want to miss out on the rises, which they almost could just see coming because they'd seen it with another young player a week before. And so as yeah. a result, it was almost a snowball effect where players are getting to these prices which like you know in their in their current form or in their current teams just couldn't be justified by dividend returns but at the same time you know prices are determined by sentiment and they're even though these players have potential value obviously their current dividend potential is not you know um, in line really with their price but it doesn't seem to matter because sentiment is the only thing which is driving prices and I think people have to remember that and obviously, if there are moves towards players in, um, who you know show growth through the capital that you get from in-play dividends, then that'll be the way that the market reacts to it. But you um, you just never know. You know, things do change from day to day a lot of the time. Mm, definitely. So, what would your advice to new users today be? In like, if if you started Football Index today, uh, what would you be doing? I mean, the first thing is to ignore tweets on suggested buys on Twitter because I think the majority of the time people are just posting you know, whoever they've got in the cell queue just to kind of clear it. Um, but I think also, you know, and this is something which a lot of people said, and it's not going to be anything groundbreaking for anyone, but do your own research. I mean, Index Edge and Index Gain, I've used them both. Um, and they're, they're both great tools to use. The problem being at the moment, I think, is that people might sign up to these platforms then do their research and go, oh, you know, Maxi Lopez is a good example. Like, I owned him for a little while and sold him, but he's got really strong PB scores, but hasn't risen anywhere near some of the other guys who've been linked to a move or they might have, you know, played 20 minutes for United, for example. Um, mm. When actually, if you had done your research and you were trying to find players who there was value in terms of performance buzz, um, he would have been one of them. But I, that's one of the issues I think that there's been in the past couple of weeks or months with the uncertainty and the share split kind of looming over people's heads is that 
it, the market wouldn't necessarily have behaved logically in the way that new users might have thought it would in terms of, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's a performance buzz mechanism. So therefore, let me find a value in the market. Here's the value. I buy a player, but then they don't really go up. Yeah, I, I think there's there's obviously people that are, that are looking at value on the kind of what their dividend returns are or what their potential dividend returns are, as you mentioned there with Maxi Gomez. But more and more, we're seeing prices in isolation. And then we're also seeing massive comparisons with other players. So I think what people need to realize is that the variables that are accumulated together to create a value in one of the bets that you make on Football Index, i.e. buying a player, there's so many of them. There's like, I'd probably name 25, 30 variables that could attribute to a player's value. What I think is strange that we're seeing at the moment and this is probably something for news to be wary of, that if a player has the same two out of 30 variables, those are the common denominators between that player and another player, say they're English and young, it doesn't necessarily mean that they should rise. I understand you know, some of the points that you've made uh, earlier about market sentiment, but it's slightly, not scary to me, but the players can rise substantial amounts with such great volume and great money going into these players just because a couple of the variables are the same no you're and you're you're entirely right and you know we know the whole young young english players or young player who plays for united and it's 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 madness because you when we're talking about even potential return like capital return you know it going forward we just don't know there's so many question marks over them like chong is a good example you know he was he was the one that was flying up and then he made that was it like he made an fa cup um appearance i think he came off the bench and yeah he, he was like trading at an all-time high before that and before he came on absolutely flew up and then inevitably as a young lad who hasn't had much first time first team you know football ever in his life he's not going to set the world alight within his first couple of touches of the ball and then his price sinks down so i think that that's something to be wary of for new users because it's almost better if i think ironically if the player is a little bit further away from making their first team debut for example <laughs> because that way you know that a player it's almost i i personally recently especially when i've been trading a lot more regularly I've kind of found that if you're buying a player just before the game, like Moise Keane was an example last night, right? Which I actually got wrong and I bought some this morning of him. But I was looking at him and I, I, was, I saw that he was potentially going to get a start and he'd been going up a lot over the past couple of days. But I decided not to buy because I thought that it doesn't really change your kind of betting or your, the way that you're spending your money. If you're um, like, oh, sorry, let me, change, let me go back on that. Sorry. Sure. So with, with Moise Keane, if I'd bought him yesterday when I'd seen that he was in the lineup, I almost feel like it doesn't really change the way that you're putting your money as opposed to comparing it to, I don't know, Bet365 or traditional betting, mm. where you think, okay, I've seen this player's in the lineup, I think he's going to score. Because you may as, you're probably safer by putting a, a stake on him to score in the game, if that's what you're going to think he's going to do, rather than investing, you know, however much it is, like £500 or whatever his price is for buying 100 shares. Um but yeah, so it's, it's 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 interesting, and I think that it's you know not just new users, but to people who have been using it for a long time. I think it's it's really important not to think, oh, I understand how the platform works, and and I I understand what moves prices because it changes so drastically from month to month, and it we've seen mm. that this year and like the trends that we've seen, and I think it's really important not to get stuck in a certain mindset and think, well, I you know this is my portfolio, this is how it's built, this is how it's going to make me money because 
there are different ways of going about it. And I know that there are people who are kind of value investors and they bought Pogba at two pounds and won't buy any more up to 22 pounds. But equally, there are like the market is changing. And obviously, with the dividend structure changing, then it, it, that's going to become even more relative, especially for the old users who have that old way of thinking. Mm, especially, you know, as the underlying value of the, the bet completely changes, as the the dividends returns have completely been um, changed by the actual uh, structure that Football Index have put in place. Uh, just before I, I plug myself here, Nick, have you got any ideas for a poll we can put out at the beginning of the recording and then discuss it at the end? Anything you really want to know from the, the Football Index audience? I would actually like, someone asked me on Twitter, like, this is not really a poll because you can't do it this way, can you? But I was going to say, what's the, be- <laughs> what's the best and worst thing about Football Index right now? Because somebody asked me and I was like, uh, one of the questions on this uh, on this show, and I it was quite an interesting thing. And I wonder what people love about the index. You could even write, what like what do you love most about the index? And then have a, like, a couple of different um, different options. And I mean, you people find out, you know, media buzz, performance buzz, in play dividends, to be honest, that's a pretty awful idea as far as polls go. But I'm um, just on the sp- <laughs> let's let's try it. Uh, uh, in play dividends. You got any other ideas? Media buzz, performance buzz, in play dividends. Um, Sorry, three year, three year bet as the last option. Yeah, why not? Worst. Well, at least I can get the worst poll that you put out, there, and then you can attribute, <laughs> you can attribute it to me anyway. <laughs> I can, yeah. If it gets like ten votes, I can just say this was Nick's fault. Um, right, that's gone out. We'll uh, we'll we'll talk about the end of the, the show. Uh, now this time for my little plug. Uh, I want to say thank you everyone who's voted uh, for me as the uh, best gambling creator at the FBA's, the the Football Blog- Blogging Awards. The deadline is today at eleven fifty nine p.m. So Sunday, the twenty fourth of March, eleven fifty nine p.m. So if you're listening today please do vote if you haven't done already. If you have already voted, thank you so much. All you have to do is head over to footballbloggingawards.co.uk and you can vote for me there or on Twitter. You just type in, uh, I am voting for at FI guide underscore in at the FBAS for hashtag best gambling creator. And then, uh, yeah, that, that attributes a, a vote, which is awesome. Uh, if you guys uh, want to hear my voice, but also want to see my face, head over to my YouTube channel. Most recently, I put out a uh, live stream that was a reaction to the um, th- to the uh, to the share split announcement, which uh, went down quite well, nearly a thousand views, which was nice. If you want to see some written work, uh, head over to the Football Index blog, which is over on Medium. Uh, we recently signed up Buzzing Paul, who was on the podcast a few episodes ago, and he's going to do something really special. He's going to basically have a look at past players and and whether or not they've they would have done really well on performance buzz before performance buzz actually came in which is going to be a really interesting little section i don't know we need to name it something like paul's past scores i don't know something more creative than that if you want to hear me speak about football and, and not football index head over to the state of play podcast that's with uh, matt santangelo we put that out every fortnight and we talk about the top five european leagues and the mls if you want to collaborate or uh, just sponsor the podcast hit me up on football.index.guide at gmail.com and if you want to subscribe why haven't you done so already uh, if you want to leave a review please do so on on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts i really appreciate them but let's get on to the questions here nick uh, penguin from uh, the index gain uh, community he, he seems to be asking really strange questions every time i post in there is it true adam cole has a macarena wig <laughs> i've i've heard a rumor that whenever mike played that song in the office back in the day he'd burst through the door with it on <laughs> 
I honestly have no idea where this has come from. Like, I at least I <laughs> unless he's like taken to wearing wigs since I've left, I can hundred percent say that wasn't the case when I was there. I think he's a uh, Adam Cole is a proud, bold man, and he's. I think his also his his head is also quite symbolic for the football index. I think mm, that without mm. it, people would feel a loss. Yeah, definitely. I just don't know where this guy comes up with these questions. Like the last podcast, he asked like seven or eight really crazy questions and i just don't know where someone's brain like comes up with this stuff because although that is bloody hilarious i just don't know how he's thought of it yeah it's bizarre but have you featured any of his questions before i think we had one in the last podcast and i'm pretty sure he's the guy who keeps asking if there will ever be a boy born who can swim quicker than a shark or something like that like all the weird questions i'm pretty sure last time i was on (laughs) So he's obviously maybe that's the, maybe he's just trying to troll me. I think that's the problem. You give people a platform, and then now he's just he's getting all the encouragement he needs. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not sure if this was him, but uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure all the crazy questions come from about four or five different people, uh, which is all good fun, you know. I've clearly asked it, and uh, we've got a, a, a fairly definitive answer. Um, SOTD uh, Football Index SOTD Lee, who's been on the podcast a few times, and is a great person to follow on Twitter if you don't do also do so already. Um, he says, "Can you?" share any insight into the excitement at FIHQ at the last share split so this was in 2016 summer wasn't it Nick um, when it was during the Euros I remember and I was talking about it on the last podcast where I looked at my portfolio I, lo- I looked at my uh, housemate at the time I said oh my god Ibrahimovic has died like what has happened uh, he's dropped by so much and then I was looking at my, my portfolio and it actually got up so I was like you know, something crazy's happened here. I didn't really see the announcement that this was going to happen. Uh, do you want to shed some more light on what, what it was like at the time? I mean, to be honest with you, at the time, it was the, the platform was so vastly different to the way, the way it is now. I mean, we worked in a tiny office. There was like four or five of us in one room. Um, it was kind of Kieran, Mike, myself, and like someone who worked in customer support, maybe. And it was it was kind of such early doors and that it wasn't like there wasn't the kind of pandemonium and excitement that there was this time. And because of the fanfare that surrounded the news kind of pre-share split, it's the experience this time has been so, so different. I mean, that you can attest to that because you were, you were uh, obviously not as involved as you are now, but, but you were still a customer back then. Mm. Um, And you were unaware that it was happening. I think to be honest, probably quite a lot of people were, but it wasn't as important to communicate, I think, as it is now. I'm not saying that it wasn't, and it was communicated, but I think now is just so paramount because you know you don't want a situation like you just explained where people suddenly log in and go, "Holy shit, everything's crashed!" And I've got you know I've like lost a fraction. I've got a fraction of the worth that they were, <laughs> uh, at least at first glance. Anyway, because it can be you know you can imagine it can be something quite shocking. But to be honest, there wasn't there wasn't that much excitement last time around because it just it was there was there was a gap between the top players and the rest of the market which was just so vast that the shares but needed to happen and so i think that it was it was a little bit different then whereas now obviously we have however many players there are over 15 16 pounds and and it is necessary to kind of i think you know let the let the index kind of organically grow going forward definitely i think at the time as well i think mike talked about this quite well actually um either on one of the FITVs or one of the trading meets where, or actually maybe even on Twitter, he talked about how the share split in itself, if there's no dividend movements, like it is not a kind of fundamental change to the game rules and Football Index don't actually have to give prior notice. Obviously with this one, it was slightly different because there was uh, allusions 
to the fact that we might have an increased um, dividends uh, or something might be changed. So that in in itself had to be different in terms of the comms. But at the time, again, a share split fundamentally didn't change the value of your bet. So Football Index didn't have to actually give people notice. And maybe in hindsight, you look at that and say, oh, was that actually done properly? But at the same time, the values were exactly the same. And in fact, most or all of Football Index users at the time benefited benefited from it because there was high liquidity, prices were more accessible. Um, and, you know, the dividends at the time that Football Index were paying up were pretty large, right? You went from 20p per first place media uh, finish to 5p. Um, and, you know, consider that only now in one day a player can win more than 20p it's 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 kind of crazy right yeah no it's absolutely insane um and it's it shows the kind of the growth of players as well as the growth of the platform and you know that they're trying to encapsulate what people want and actually give give the the audience something which they can um which they can benefit from but um it's just i think that one thing i mean the, the the share split with it like they say it doesn't change anything or it shouldn't fundamentally and i think that there's been this big chat on twitter i don't want to delve into it too much but I know people are saying that they think that um, prices are going to move in, a, in one way or another, but you would imagine that as with the last time there was a share split, it it's going to take, um, you know, like the maths will mean that the actual, like the behavior of the price movements will be exactly the same. So it's mm. still going to say, still going to take the same amount of money and it will still take, take the same amount of players to actually, uh, sorry, purchase buyers of the shares to actually raise the price. I don't think they're going to make the, more, the market more volatile. And the reason why is because- no. If they're if they're moving towards, I mean, they're pivoting towards like uh, an in-play dividend, like focused market, right? I mean, that's what everyone can see from the share split news and the dividend movement that we've seen from it. Now, that in my eyes is a move to create one a more sustainable product, but two also just de-risking themselves because obviously the dividend potential return that there is for a player in the first thirty days compared to the lifetime is just immeasurably different. And in terms of mm-hmm de-risking themselves it makes a lot of sense business-wise now then i can't then see them going oh yeah well we're going to have a share split and at the same time as to kind of decreasing our risk profile we're then going to increase that back up again by having mm. way like a, a far increased um volatility in the market it just doesn't make sense to me so, so i was speaking to someone the other day and i said i'm actually surprised that they're not looking at going the other way where it would take more money to increase player prices and i know that kind of affects the I wouldn't say value of your bet, but it, it certainly affects the um, speed at which that bet becomes more or less valuable or not more or less valuable, higher or lower in price, which I guess, you know, the trade-offs there are, are both good and bad. You know, there's it takes longer for you to profit, but then also the crashes are probably less significant because it takes more money to drop those prices. I was speaking to someone at a trader meet and I've spoken to loads of people in kind of uh, you know, forex trading or financial markets backgrounds or capital markets backgrounds, and they've all said that one of the things that puts them off is how little money it will take to to raise the player prices. Right, like me and you, Nick, if we uh, if we coincidentally bought the same player and we bought a thousand futures of him each, and he cost three pounds, with six thousand um, pounds, we could be taking him up twenty p, which you know like with more and more users coming in multiply that by say there's another 10 people who can afford to buy a thousand of those play- of those of that player and another 100 people can afford to buy 100 futures and another thousand can uh, can afford to buy 10 slowly that snowballs and i think we saw it with players like rashford and martial you know with the solskjaer boom where 
Martial went from about £7 all the way to £10.50, and now he's down back to £8. I think that there's obviously that level of volatility that, to your point, whether or not you like uh, in-play dividends, take them out of the equation. Martial didn't go up and down because of in-play dividends. So Football Index can look at that and say, right, do we like that volatility from a business standpoint? Probably. Do customers like it? Probably not. So where's the balance? And I think for, for Football Index to get like big money into the platform, and that's from guys who are used to, uh, you know, playing around with big money or people that are, you know, um, looking at stuff like crypto or um, high high return startups that are also really risky. And they're looking at th- things like that and saying, well, I do want part of my kind of wealth to be attributed to the riskier profile of investment or betting, basically. I don't really know much about spread betting. I don't really know much about crypto. And I don't really know much about startups, or I don't really have the time to research it. But I do really like football. And I do really like this thing. So why don't I put some of my money here? I don't think we can get to that point and unless the market matures and it takes more money to move players up and down. I don't know if you agree with that. I mean, the one thing that I would say which could be significant in terms of attracting these big traders who I think Football Index have never really made any secret of them wanting and you know it makes sense for like financially for them to attract them, is that if you're a new if you're a new customer um and you're coming in and you see that okay, so I can see a player here who might have scored or you know made like 10 assists this season whose price is under 150 so therefore relative value for me looking at his next eight fixtures for example are uh, makes him attractive because the return could be good you know and and are at high percentage of ROI um and I think that like that that's what they're aiming for and I know what you mean because us us being kind of guys who've been around for you know the majority of the lifetime of the platform we kind of see that the growth of these players and you have players like Neymar who you know is not only a like a media darling the one word Neymar media buzz and that sort of thing but also obviously just whenever he plays in the farmers league that's Liga, he just like crushes everyone and so always wins PB so that's where his value is but at the same time I think that when you think of forex trading which is you know is very quick in terms of how long you're actually in a position for um, and a lot of a lot of trading, which generally takes place in financial markets, a lot of it, which is done by the professionals, they're not holding positions for that long. And I think that that's something which FI are trying to try and adhere to. But it's also kind of two birds with one stone for them, because not only would it might it attract these guys, which is, I think, part of their thinking, but it also increases their commissions, right? Because people mm. are just trading more regularly. Now, I think that what could happen long term and again, this is like pure speculation, <clears throat> excuse me, because I don't, I don't know anything, but I, I think that if you pivot towards in-play dividends, there could be a situation within the next, I don't know, it's two years, if they were to pivot even further towards them, whereby if these really expensive players are becoming less valuable, then people will just be less willing to hold them because the growth that they'll exhibit will be smaller. And then you think, well, if you've got the equivalent of £22 or £23 tied up in a player like Pogba or Neymar, when okay you know they like they are they might they might be getting goals regularly but obviously you're not qualifying because you're not having them for the first 30 days or you know you're past that that day then suddenly the market might move its money elsewhere and then you kind of see players who are not exceptional not absolute world beaters but are having a purple patch at the moment taking up you know some of the some of the kind of market's money and then you see a spread of 
the money in the market more evenly spread out amongst the top 200 say for example mm. um i mean i don't know that could be the way it goes it might not be but it's just it's that's kind of speculation yeah we'll put a pin in that one because i think we'll probably uh debate that a lot more with some of the questions we've got um the next bit is uh, our data section and uh, i didn't get any bespoke data this time from the guys at index gain uh clearly too busy for me i think um i think dca has just come back from some sort of caribbean cruise lucky man um but since in play dividends have gone up a lot more and we've just been discussing them nick i, I went and looked at their like in play dividend report i looked at the players who have scored or scored the most goals in in 2019 and uh I, I just i wanted to talk to you about kind of how in play dividends or their big rises with the latest uh, restructure could affect the premium players because as we all know i think ipds are kind of catered toward the um lower cap players right but if you look at the most goals scored in 2019 we've got Messi with 16 Mbappe with 14 Aguero with 12 Mane with 11 uh Ronaldo with eight so those are the kind of premium players in the top 10 if we see you know Messi score six or seven goals and get five assists in a 30-day period are we going to see IPDs finally start affect, uh, start affecting those more premium players here, Nick? I mean, it's it's entirely possible, isn't it? Because you you almost create a perfect storm, I think, where you have a player like Messi, who at the moment people will look at him and say, "Oh, yeah, but getting X amount for a goal and for an assist and what have you, like, it's not really attractive. It's not the reason you buy Messi." Whereas, I think that. People are obviously warded off buying him because he's so expensive, and if they're kind of if they're in play dividend focused, they wouldn't they're not likely to do that. But with the increase in in the dividend payouts for in play dividends and the fact that he'll be cheaper, I think that we could definitely see that. And I think it's inevitable because, you know, I think you'll agree with me that in the past six months, the way in which the market reacts to players scoring goals in games, getting assists, getting PB scores, and what have you, irrespective of what it is, but those short term little opportunities for arbitrage that people spot, they've we've just seen huge, huge rises off the back of them. I mean, look at Sterling. Yeah. Sterling Sterling scoring a hat trick for England the other night. And suddenly it's just woken so many people up, I find, to ha- actually what quality this player has actually got. Um, and you know, Messi scoring the hat trick against Betis a couple of weeks ago is the same thing. But it doesn't even take a hat trick from one of these top players. I just think that when they're cheaper, and then people realise that, oh well, actually, it's almost just kind of a cherry on top of the cake that I can get these in-play dividends from these top players who are, you know, the cream of the crop. Um, people will be more inclined to buy them. And I think that the hybrids that people have been talking about, or the kind of coin, the, the term that's been coined on Twitter like, over the last like week or so, mm. in terms of players who, you know, have that in-play dividend potential, as well as who might get a move over the summer, could really go up a lot. And I know players like Sanchez for, uh, Sancho, for example, has gone up a, you know, a ton over the last couple of weeks and months. But he's quite a good example of one because he gets a lot of goals, he gets a lot of assists. But then also, you know, we, now we're having all these Man United links which are arising. Um, and so he could be one of those players where people say, actually, he's now a third of the price. or you know, it, That's the way that people's minds just kind of naturally will view it. Um, so I can get, I can buy a hundred of him, and it's more affordable at five hundred rather than fifteen hundred pounds. He'll probably grab a few goals between now and the end of the season, given that the, you know the title race is quite close between Dortmund and Bayern, and then the Man United links inevitably. And he's a young English kid, which ticks those boxes. So you kind of think that you know it's it's a very logical thing for you to say that um, that that would happen. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how the market reacts. For me. Considering the massive rise in IPDs, I still 
think that there hasn't been much money flowing into those players. I mean, we've seen the likes of Quagriella go, uh, Quagliarella go up like, you know, 10% or whatever, but essentially his value has been increased drastically by these dividends. I'm just pointing him out because he's in on this table that I've screenshotted from index gain. I, I want to see how it works for the next eight game weeks. I, I don't know if football index have kind of left it too late because perhaps, you know, with eight games left of the season, are we going to be able to really see what, what they're trying to test out with IPDs for the rest of the season? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. But if you guys want to see more data like that, including goals, assists, clean sheets, uh, dividends from IPDs or in-play dividends, uh, you can head over to indexgain.co.uk. And if you haven't signed up to their premium service, you can use my code FIG2019 to get 50% off. A whole half price off your first month, which is uh, a pretty awesome deal. Um, go on, sorry. No, yeah, I recommend you do it as well, because if you're a new customer and you're listening to this, it's like the perfect perfect platform to like actually kind of get to grips with the plethora of information which is kind of thrown at you mm, i i don't i yeah i can't recommend it enough it's a great platform and it's uh they're always putting out new things and i know for for certain that bishop and the dca have uh, got something great planned for uh, in play dividends so some sort of new report which I, I hear is very exciting haven't seen it yet but from what i've heard uh daily's question is what is the best thing about the index right now and the worst so um yeah this was the poll that we put out earlier i think it probably makes sense that we have a look at it now right nick yeah yeah that makes perfect sense um let's have a look how many votes have we got so we've already got 178 votes which is uh pretty good um 30 percent, 37 percent of people think media buzz is their favorite thing performance buzz got 25 percent uh six percent uh voted for in play dividends and 32 percent of people voted for the three-year bet so that's quite interesting um what's your favorite thing about football index right now just the volatility i mean the way that i'm trading at the moment the way that i've just decided i'm going to go about it since kind of january has almost been entirely down to the volatility of players like forget mm. the forget the reasoning behind it you know it varies obviously there are millions we know that which are kind of uh, very variables which are dependent on but i um i just i've had like my most two profitable months in the last two months well month and a bit up until you know the end of march that we're getting to now through that trading and i just um i think it's really easy to just see the patterns that are emerging and you don't have to as long as you don't force them and you just wait to see those rises and you keep an eye on certain players and you know when news comes out on them i um I think you can make a lot of money. I mean, you, mm. can, also, you can obviously get caught on them as well because you, you've got players like if you bought Martial, you know, near the £10 mark, I mean, how much would you have lost up to this point? But yeah. at, the, at the same time, I think that's kind of down to the fact that he's been unlucky with injury and he's not played. Because I do actually think that he, as a player on the index, is probably quite undervalued. If you compare him to, you know, the price of Rashford, um, and he's he is... I hate saying this because I'm a Liverpool fan. I, I hate Man United to <laughs> my very core, but it's like Martial is such a brilliant player. And I think that he really hasn't shown exactly like the potential that he's got because I've obviously with Mourinho and now he's, you know, he gets injuries every now and again, but um, be interesting to see what happens with him. But anyway, the volatility is like my, the, my favorite thing. Um, and I think that that's only going to increase over the summer, given what we saw in the transfer market in January when there was football being played. So I think, you know, if you consider the fact that, a lot of money was still in players who were, you know, attractive performance buzz players or people who were buying for in-play dividends. That won't be the case necessarily over the summer with there being less football uh, or no football other than League of Nations and the um, Copper America. So 
I think that we're going to see like crazy movements in the in the um, in the transfer market. So that's that, that's something which I'm looking forward to. And the worst thing is I, I don't have a lot to complain about, and I you know I'm obviously reluctant to to talk bad about the product because I do love it so much and was once a part of it. But it's just that some of the technical bugs at the moment are really like they're making it difficult to trade. Like when you're when you're trading on a day-to-day basis like you know you really want to see how the price of a player has been moving today and i don't know like what's happened in the past week or so but just <laughs> the 24-hour price charts they're just they're they're all exactly the same like uh, up until you know the last the last like f- the most recent five or six hours of every player just show flat flat growth or mm. you know like no price movement which obviously is not the case um so that's one thing that's kind of frustrating but i'd imagine they'll get ironed out in the next ios update or what have you but um, the other thing, and this is only a small thing, but it does actually really irritate me. It's the music at the beginning of the app. So <laughs> I, I was reluctant to download the, uh, the updated version because I'd heard people saying various things about it. And I kind of was stuck in my old ways, as many traders are. Um, and I downloaded it and I, I'm often listening to music. And I, when I'm on the go, for example, I've got my headphones in and I'm listening to music and then I open the FI app. And then every time I'm opening it, it's pausing my music, which actually just winds me up. But, um, it's only a small thing. It's not like, I think the, the product is terrible or anything like that. It's just, uh, yeah, small things. Yeah. I mean, you know, listening to the fig cast and then it being canceled by, uh, what I can only describe as a fairly pointless animation has always been strange to me i think what i look at when apps are designed well is like what do i want when i open the app and essentially what i want is to either see my portfolio or see the trending list or see the market that's all i want like i don't want to see like just some random um just some random animation like I've got a Santander bank account. When I open it, what I want to see is my account balance. I don't want to see like some weird, whizzy Santander animation. <laughs> I don't know if you agree there, Nick. No, I fully do. I mean, I, I think it's just something which they probably thought in principle or in theory was nice, but actually in practicality, it just doesn't work. Um, but I fully agree with you. And I mean, in what I do right now, we, you know, we deal a lot with kind of the user journey and you encouraging users to trade etc and those sorts of things those gimmicky features are just not something which is going to benefit you in the long run um, yeah but i think that, that again it's this is it's something which they trial they probably realize this themselves and they'll probably just get rid of it so i, I wouldn't think it's a long-term problem here's hoping right uh the, so then the whole next section is going to be about the new payouts and the share split so the first question is from football index focus do you believe that the share split is doing is going to have the desired effect of attracting new users with lower prices and how important is the associated marketing campaign to capitalize on this so to answer the first bit i think the answer is 100 percent yes i think that it's you know it's the whole point of the share splits to make players more affordable right like it's why they're doing it in the first place um so with those more expensive players that people might be buying as long-term investments you know more value investors if you like those those guys will just be kind of more attractive now to to customers so i think that that will be the case you know i don't think you can really underestimate the psychological barrier to entry that high prices have in the market um certainly for new customers but in equal measure a lot of the more you know the more so called you know like seasoned investors really because people just go well yeah but if I've got a hundred shares and then you know the two percent commission that I'm losing from that, and if I'm if he's a twenty twenty two pound player, well then you know suddenly that all kind of stacks up quite quickly. Um, and in terms of the associated marketing campaign, I mean it's an interesting question because I don't think that that what they need to do is go out there and say, oh you know Messi was fifteen pounds or Messi is now five pounds or what have what have you. But 
I think that um, like the advertising at the moment they're doing. So I saw on the tube there was a big um, a big advertisement on the platform, which just said in huge writing, sixty million pounds paid out this year. Um, and I've been seeing that all around London. I think that's a great one as it focuses on the one thing that people ga- who gamble care about, which is profit. Um, mm-hmm. I do think if they're going to stay on the path to, you know, the pivot towards IPDs and and making in-play dividends the most important thing to kind of attract new customers, they could use case studies and advertising on tubes, etc. I mean, when people the, the benefit of people on tube platforms and the people who are on the actual tube trains themselves is that they have a bit of time. And so you can put something which has got a little bit more detail, which, you know, might take mm-hmm. a little bit more attention. I mean, you think it's completely unrelated, but you think of like the Jack Daniels adverts you see on the tube and they're, yeah. they're like really huge pieces, but people are interested by them. And so people will read them and it shows if it's engaging enough and it's the smart advertising, then people will actually engage in it. I think, for example, if you had like a case study about um, an in-play dividend player, so for example, you know, player so-and-so was at X price at the beginning of January and he accrued this this amount during our um, the in-play dividend qualification period, which was 30 days. And you could just say, you know, he got this many assists, this many goals. And football fans love that sort of thing. Like, I think you being a football fan as well, <coughs> mm. excuse me, would probably agree with me that, you know, if you see something football related on the tube, you're likely to read it. And if, it's Definitely. Gonna, if you think it's going to make you money, it's a new concept, then even more so. I mean, like I read anything on when I'm like, even if I'm listening to a podcast or, um, you know, listening to music, if you're on your own, you're kind of just looking around, right? You're just looking at random stuff. And I think when I remember even that there was like a nationwide advert, I don't know if you remember it, but if you commute quite often, you'll probably remember it. It was like a massive black and white um, thing that was all over like the platform. And it basically detailed like nationwide um journey and how long they've been here uh, as a company for since like 1890 or whatever or like the early 1900s and it was talking about how it started in just like a pub when people were giving each other money and like it would save up as a pot and like one person a month would be able to take that money and put it towards a house deposit or something like that but I was just like this is dull as shit and I'm still reading it like why and so even if it's something that's slightly interesting it's going to work really well. And obviously, as a marketer that, that you are, that's your background, right? And I've, I've had some experience in that myself. It's You can't really tell the ROI from these tube ads, but you can see that if people are, are paying more interest to, to Football Index and it's getting your brand recognition up uh, along with the, the Bet365s and the Betfairs of this world, then it's probably working. I think, you know, like you said, I mean, I don't know how many times I've read the the david gandhi like vitamin advert which has just been around for like the past six or seven years but i seem to get on the tube and just read the advert every single time i'm on it because like you said it's it's almost like londoners hate making eye contact with each other so you (laughs) you look anywhere other than where like where you have to do that and a lot of the time that equates to you looking at the advertising so if you give if you have this unique kind of time or period where people have actually got a bit of time to sit down and read it then you may as well take advantage of giving people a little bit more detail where in other situations it may not be appropriate. Yeah, I mean, similar effect is in airports when you're collecting luggage, you know, uh, getting advertisement on on those, uh, the carousels, they they work quite well as well. You just, if you, especially if you're, in America, if you're on your own, you're just standing there and it's kind of like, you know, listening to music uh, on your phone or on a, uh, listening to a podcast and you're just kind of like, you look up for a second and you start reading this random thing. I do think that they probably halted a lot of their marketing, uh, especially digital stuff, 
during the run-up to the share split announcement and kind of as they're trying to fix these technical hitches because the last thing you want is when um, you're trying to fix all these technical bugs, loads of people suddenly uh, coming into your platform. That large influx of traders would only hinder your ability to fix the things that are broken. So I think that now that those things are beginning to be fixed and the share split is going to be out the way soon, that football index are going to be ramping up their marketing side of things and i think i tweeted this the other day that you know the period between now and november december time is going to be the most profitable time to date simply because football index now have that brand recognition the share split uh the new meet the the up dividends the the special media dividends that are going to be offered in the summer all these things are going to stack up to, to one thing in my mind and that's like greater opportunities for profit for, for everyone but uh, spoonless has a question here uh, are you concerned that the official share split announcement video only has four point thousand views doesn't this suggest the amount of active users is close to this number no the short answer is that it, to that is no um basically i think that the majority of people knew knew what a share split was and i think that the, one of the key reasons why they probably didn't get that many views was because the majority of people would have been looking so that that you get the email and obviously then you go to the page where all the information is now because there was only a short period where the market was closed which was 30 minutes i think that the majority of people who are active traders were probably thinking okay i want to get through this page and disseminate what's important and what's in like you know where i need to be looking for value in my research in the next 30 minutes or what have you if that's the way that people were going about it um they would probably go, okay, so look, what, what can I see? Okay, they're increasing in-play dividends. Okay, like, where's the chart? Let me see what the prices are. Okay, this is increased by 100 200%, et cetera. And then just kind of go away and then go on to who scored or whatever website, or go on to the various different football index tools and kind of, you know, assess who's, where's the value and who do I want to buy? I don't think the majority of people, like, I mean, historically, I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but is this the first time where they've, um brought out a new feature or changed something and they brought a video out with it on that landing yeah 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 yeah. but but also i i do remember the tweet just before or like 24 hours before the announcement someone from their marketing team tweeted from the football index official account basically we're going all out this is going to be via email this is going to be on the blog there's going to be a video there's going to be everything so you know i didn't watch the video i read i read the announcement so I don't know. And I've had like conversations with people in the forum recently um, that they were talking about how, you know, like, how can you think that there's only 30 to sit or whatever, like 40 to 60, 70,000 active users, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, look, I can only guesstimate. I, I obviously think it's higher than 4.5 thousand users. I think we're way past that. I think that, you know, Betfair have four or five million signups, they only have one million active traders. So if you divide 300,000 users by, you know, four to six, then you're looking at between 60 and 80, well, I don't, I don't know, between 50 and 100,000 users, like active users. I don't really know. Like no one can say apart from Football Index themselves. And I think that number probably changes and is very very volatile month on month so i don't know i i it's obviously a lot more than 4.5 thousand but i think there are people who who take that 300,000 figure very literally uh, and it's definitely not the case no i mean obviously that's it's somewhere in the middle we don't know where i mean obviously like you said football index are the only ones who actually know what that number is but um i think that in a time like now there'll probably be a huge amount or a, a greater percentage of people who are active traders compared to mm. say in 
last summer. Now, I think that that's probably, you know, something which they take into consideration in terms of wanting to keep people trading over the summer and they don't want to lose people. But it's also one of, if they can sway people into trading more and more over the summer, then it's actually a perfect way, a, a perfect thing for them. Because obviously, you know, they're not, they're not trying to compete at these in these periods, which is actually kind of a, a grace period almost, if you like, during the calendar year with the traditional bookies because there's no football being played. So if you can, you know, if there's any time where you can bring these customers in, it probably is then when the people who, you know, are looking for their fix are looking to just have a little dabble on the football, they, you know, they can't do it from traditional betting. Definitely. Uh, next question from Adam or Football Index AS, who uh, I think this has come up quite a few times. Opinions on Starman payout being the same 2p for double and treble days. It's the hardest dividend to win, yet the same payout as a double day, and it makes zero sense. Shouldn't it be 3p? three uh, or triple times a single day saying they said on uh, football index tv that 6p is divisible by three and doesn't need rounding uh, i don't think that's an adequate reason and i think football index SOD, D, sotd follows up on this with talk me through the new pay- pb payouts as i just don't get them how can something co- be called a triple day and the payouts are not treble a single day uh, would rather have waited until commercially able to have some intuitive dividends um are we reading too much into this or is there actually like a genuine problem here for me i'm gonna go ahead and agree with adam that you know just because it can't be routed around it isn't an adequate reason but i don't think this is because it wasn't commercially viable it's only an extra penny like i think football index can probably afford that um you know if there's like 50 or like 60 70 or let's just say there's 80 um i don't know how many triple days there's probably in a, in a year maybe like 40 I, I, I don't honestly, know. I wouldn't even like to hazard a guess, but you're probably yeah. you're probably not far off to be fair. Yeah. yeah. So like, I don't know if the actual liability on FISM for an extra penny was going to be that much. I just don't really get why it wasn't done. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, it's something which I I don't really understand either. I mean, I think it's a bit of a it's a bit self defeatist in the point that obviously having mm. a, having a higher payout because winning a treble. Um, performance buzz like dividend is the hardest of all performance buzz payouts to achieve and so with i don't know i just think you know with most with the most teams playing on that match day except obviously with the champions league knockouts um so therefore like you're if you're going to go with a tiered system and you're going to pay less on a single double day for the individual positions and star player i think that you kind of have to um Mm. i I don't really know like what the reason is for it to be the same but it does seem a bit strange that that having a double day uh as the same payout as a as a triple day just doesn't doesn't really make any logical sense right and and that's the the big thing isn't it we want the platform to be as logical as intuitive as possible i think intuitive is the word that lee uses there and i think that you know it almost feels like every time there's one of these announcements, it's two step forwards and one step back. It's kind of you were opening up MB from the next from next season to make the platform more intuitive and logical, but suddenly the treble day is not treble the single day, and uh, for for some and the, the the reasoning behind it is because we couldn't actually. Um, oh God, burp there, bloody hell. <laughs> we 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 could and the reasoning behind it is that we couldn't uh or it was already divisible by three so we didn't need to do anything and for me like it, it's weird actually in general the single day and treble being closer together like i don't really 
I don't know, it just seems a bit... The novelty of the Triple Day has kind of worn off slightly. And it's suddenly meaning that just because, you know, Dijon have a uh, rearranged fixture, um, their single days are now worth massively more. And, and like, you know, the, the underlying value of those players are, have risen. I don't think that, you know, a player value shouldn't be decided on scheduling or it should be, you know, Football Index should leave that. Uh, I'm trying to pitch this the right way. Football Index should make it so, you know, the actual on-pitch performance um, reflects on the prices as much as possible, not just because, you know, uh, PSG have a midweek Champions League game and their game has been rearranged uh, somewhere else and they're playing on like a, uh, you know, a Monday night or a Friday night or whatever. I just don't, I don't really get why that's being squeezed together, like from single to treble day. It, I don't really understand the reasoning. And I don't know if that FITV, I think it did more harm than good. Uh, in terms of trying to explain the reasoning behind those things. I think some of it was okay, but some of it was kind of like, okay, that that's just going to open up a can of worms, really. Yeah, I think the difficulty is as well, that on FITV, obviously they they know that it's only customers who are, who are watching it, and that's what the absolute purpose of them making it. But it's difficult for them to go, well, you know, if we, if we decrease the... Um, the relative payouts that people are getting for performance buzz compared to in-play dividends, then as a company, we make more money from commissions and da da da, because obviously that would go down like a shitstorm. Um, yeah. But the, I think the you know the the fact that if people if they can kind of almost ward people away slightly from the from the big big performance buzz um, giants like Messi and what have you, then it might de- again kind of move their risk profile like kind of a little bit lower and toward towards somewhere where it's a bit safer and where they'd like to be um you know like we're saying the fact that it's only available in the first 30 days could reflect the performance in in kind of that moment which is i think what they're trying to move to but i mean it's difficult because there are so many different elements to it and so many people and parties of people who want different things from the platform and you know they want media buzz to still be a significant part of performance buzz or people the new customers who a lot of them seem to like their in-play dividends but it's um i know plenty of people have put like have, have a problem with me saying this but you know i think that they were always going to move towards an in-play dividend um kind of featured market because it just it makes sense for the business um mm. And I think, you know, the truth is they were never going to stick with just, you know, having MB media buzz weighted as, as it was because it's too predictable and it's too, I think it's too high risk if you just have suddenly have everyone going, well, Pogba wins before like media buzz in X amount of days in the year. So everyone just piles into him and you could just see that if they hadn't changed the weighting, you could have like Pogba as a 40 pound player just because it's so predictable and the capital return is just so, so easy to get. But but let me let me challenge your point for a second, Nick. Um, the reason that MB and PB are currently the the way that they are are because FI have structured them that way. You could argue that if MB was you know opened up to the squad, and if we used outlets from Spain, Germany, France, and Italy, that it would be slightly less predictable, and that the player that is actually being talked about the most globally is winning media buzz more often. Um, and same with PB. If the scoring matrix was iterated or um, or just more robust, and for example, I don't know, uh, it, it allowed the flexibility so that you could have maybe tiered PB. I'd, you couldn't have it in the current format because obviously, you know, more often than not, you'd have just players that pass a lot in the top three. But if it was in a different structure, you could suddenly evolve the product in a way where it might be less predictable. 
And then there'd be more winners, if that makes sense. Meaning that in turn, because there are more payouts for more players and it's more uh, or less predictable, sorry, there is also just as a um, as a byproduct of that more volatility. I think that you know, it, I'm not. I don't want to say that the 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 IPDs are lazy because they're not, and I understand why they're being done. But I also think that. Um, there is room in the kind of core fundamentals of the product and the development of those fundamentals that could um, create the same kind of uh, outcome as IPDs, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, we, you know, in the, in actually in the last podcast, I don't know how the conversation got started or what the question was, but I, you know, you and I discussed the potential mm. of having that kind of localized media buzz, which would definitely negate that. Um, I mean, how that would work, you know, nobody really knows and it's just a suggestion, but it's, there, there are always going to be potential ways that we, you know, think that cost, that, uh, that Football Index could improve the product to, you know, to kind of suit all parties. And I'm sure there are, but I think it's obviously, it's easy for us to all to kind of sit here and, and say, oh, but we think this would make sense when as a business, we don't know the ins and outs of the finance and, and, and the commission and how it works and the acquisition of players and how much it costs for the advertising and just basically, you know, creating a business which is sustainable in the long sure. run, which is, you know, in I think we'd all agree is absolutely in our paramount interest. Mm. Um, so it, it's a difficult thing to address. I think that we're never gonna, they're never going to please everyone. They know that, but it's, um, I think, you know, overall they're doing, they're doing a good job. Yeah, I'd be interested to see the reaction if, you know, the next time dividends are changed, whether that's 12 months or 18 months from now, if it's still in IPD's um, kind of favour. And I'd love, you know, in July for Football Index to not kind of force the hand. You know, if it doesn't work, you know, put that money to good use somewhere else. If it is working, then tell us why it's worked, you know. Uh, I don't think it's good enough to tell... um, a market where there's people that have put in 35 million pounds as a, as a total into it that you know this is doing well like tell us how because if we're not seeing it then we you know people aren't dumb they can put two and two together if we're not seeing massive movements in in players because of ipds which we weren't before the the increase really like especially towards the tail end people were pretty much not paying any notice to it at the start it was working like a treat but uh towards the end it certainly wasn't now with the increase i want to see like i'd be really interested to see how it works um and then in july for them to kind of review it and say okay this worked this didn't do we need to iterate it again do we need to scrap it completely do we need to up it if we up it why if we decrease it why if we scrap it why like i think there just needs to be a bit more logical reasoning and, and telling um your customer base why you're kind of doing x and y because i think to be fair uh i sound harsh there because the latest um communication was the best that they've done in terms of um you know the animations the graphics uh the way it was worded it was very succinct um there was no confusion whatsoever like if you think back to a few of the other announcements where you know half the audience thought one thing half thought the other uh now there was clearly on one page you had people thinking the exact same thing which is the most important bit no, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's important that they communicate these things, but you know, inevitably they will at the end of the season have a look at this after you know an initial kind of what eight game, nine game, ten game test, um, and see see you know what's worked, what hasn't, and you know that when I I'm talking about you know 
reiterating every now and again in this chat about you know them creating sustainable business they obviously don't want that to happen at the expense of people's enjoyment on the platform and so they they know it's a really fine balance to maintain and it's it's, it's to be honest it's fucking difficult like it's not an easy thing to do right um and I, so i think that they, they'll constantly be looking at it and getting feedback from people and trying to understand what the customer wants and trying to keep that in line with keeping the product, you know, moving forward and growing, et cetera. So it'll be interesting, to, like like you said, to see what happens with the, with the increased IPDs. Yeah, and that leads on to our next question, I guess. Stanford AC or Adam Cole said that market hasn't seen the full potential of in-play dividends. With in-play dividends being the biggest uplift in dividends, <laughs> God, I've said dividends a lot, over the share split, do you see the market moving forward to, uh, further towards them and why do you think F5 chose chosen to move further afield from their USP? Uh, I think you've already alluded to kind of your your answer to this but why don't you give us a bit more depth to this uh, nick just talking about you know previously pivoting towards the in-play dividends and the profitability from commissions which i'm sure they've made from people you know just trading more regularly is something which is obviously attractive to them that we've said but um i i think that one thing that's important is that when they you know when football Linux was first launched it was you know it was just completely unexplored territory so they their initial thoughts were obviously okay we should have this media dividend but have the algorithm which works towards working out people's collated scores on a daily basis but um i think that like as time has gone on they've realized that actually there's they need to move the product and they need to change what the focus is on um and obviously it's easy it's easier to do that when the market size is smaller because there's going to be less kind of uproar from people who've structured their portfolios around one or the other now I know that certain people, you know, have a, a real affinity for media buzz because obviously they're able to sit on them and those players will just earn them dividends as well as appreciate capital sent um, over that time. And it's an easy way to make money. And we've seen, you know, screenshots of people's portfolios who've held them, held these players for, you know, like multiple years. And now they've got the now they've got the actual dividend amounts, the total lifetime dividend payouts per player. People are seeing how much actually like, these players are making for them. But um, I just think that it's because they're pivoting away from the in-play di- uh, from the media buzz towards in-play dividends. I think that people are going to find that people are going to be forced to just trade in a slightly different manner. And I know that people don't want that. And I know people would quite ha- be quite happy to just sit on their funds and sit on those players who they've owned and who've been you know big earners for them before. But I, I don't think that's what really Football Inact as a company want, want to encourage. And I think that the in-play dividend um, situation now kind of highlights that. For me, Media Buzz was the proof of concept, right? They put this out and they said, let's see if this actually works. And there was a few hiccups. Obviously, you were there at the start, Nick. I've talked to Mike and uh, uh, a few other guys about kind of what it was like at the beginning. And obviously, we all know it was quite stagnant at what points, tepid, blah, blah, blah. And then PB came in and it kind of completely revitalized the product and and really showcased its potential pb is the thing that makes football index what it is because i think if you move towards more the in-play dividend side of things you slowly become a derivative of betfair trading right if you think about like what betfair trading is you're betting or laying against a um a team winning or losing or drawing whatever and uh, a derivative of that is kind of like goal scorers a derivative a derivative of that is kind of betting on the performance or long-term future of a player and i think that that long-term usp is what has got most or i'd say 90 percent of football indexes users thus far here 
So I think like if you pivot it so that IPDs suddenly become as big or bigger than MB and PB, how many people are going to have like uh, 100k portfolios? Yeah, and it's it's definitely a fair question. I think that that is something which we'll have to see in terms of um, like the next kind of however many weeks before the end of the season to see how it all pans out because mm. I think the honest the honest answer is that none of us know but I completely see where you're coming from and it's a logical thought pattern because people who have got bought into a platform for one reason and then you know maybe the platform changes then people may be less inclined to use it mm. but at the same time you know there is a flip, so- flip side of that coin now and I'm not saying you know the point that I'm about to make is not because I think that the focus should be on the new users and making them happy but when you know when they're acquiring what you'd only imagine to be a huge amount of players given the fact that you know the footy's rising at a huge amount and you know we can roughly keep check of how many players there are re- t- registered in total by people's um like referral codes etc so you can you can kind of keep a rough, rough estimate there and when you see how quickly the numbers are growing you kind of think well when they're in a period which is growing a lot and they think to themselves well people are putting in less money at the moment and the or you know at, at the start as inevitably anyone would and these guys can then kind of make a, maybe a smaller dividend but from a player who's more affordable and therefore the actual ROI is bigger that's what they're going towards and I mean it's I think that it will be really important to see how how it pans out towards the end of the season in terms of whether this is something which they you know it, it is tangible to move towards and keep pivoting towards or maybe something which they need to rebalance and actually work out but, but which time will tell I do. I do think I agree. Like time will tell, but I would like to see them um, be a bit more creative in terms of you know, can we iterate PB? Can we iterate and improve MB? Those things I think will come. But also, you know, d- does moving the deadline from two PM to five PM create as much volatility as in play dividends themselves? I don't know. Like these things have to be looked at so that the the core the crux of the product isn't tarnished because i think if you move towards i don't know if you'd agree nick but if i was starting a product that was similar right now it'd be easier to compete with an in-play dividend market than it would be with football indexes stock market core idea would you agree probably yeah i think i would agree actually so like for me if I'm Football Index, why would I pivot towards something that is like easier to compete with? Because I think ASP's talked about this a lot, and I think you have as well, actually, on the last podcast. If I remember, you said that for someone to create a, a similar product, it would take a lot to force um, volume and to force liquidity into that market, as we saw right at the beginning with Football Index, where it was very stagnant and there weren't that many users. And, you know, I was the 2000 sign up, but I think um, the active users were probably in the hundreds, right? So, like, I just don't, like, I, I get it from one side where, you know, business sense where we want to make more money or more commission faster and IPDs, if they work how they want them to work, will do that. But at the same time, you actually open yourself up to more risk because there are people out there who could, you know, create products that are easier to compete with that. Yeah, no, and I think it's that that's an entirely fair point. And I think that you know, they, they obviously have to manage their and balance their risk in terms of saying, okay, well, we want to pivot towards in-play dividends because of the kind of profitability of it and the longevity of it. But at the same time, taking into consideration exactly what you've just said in that, does that then make it easier for somebody to create a, you know, a, a competitor or a pseudo competitor through the fact that then people, you know, those in-play dividends are quite easy to mimic um, mm. and you can do it more efficiently, I think, 
where and it's kind of like you said it's a lot simpler and it involves less kind of dev work and and also just you know if if you have a product which is focused on in-play dividends then the capital outlay that that this company are going to have to have is generally going to be smaller so the risk is therefore smaller so therefore if you've got a new company who are coming in to compete with them then the overall risk makes the idea potentially more attractive definitely definitely uh, i'm sure we'll speak about that a bit more later but i'm gonna do a bit of an ad break now uh, this podcast sponsored by final runner we are kicking or oh, kicking off we are having one more last man standing game this season uh, i'll explain the concept a bit all you have to do is pick a winning team in every game week and the last man standing wins the pot and the pot is the combinations of stakes entered and it's 10 quid to enter the competition i quite like this thing because it's a bit similar to fi in the in a way because your stakes could last quite long so you bet that 10 quid uh we've had competitions that have gone like nine or ten game weeks in the past so if you head over to www.finalrunner.com you can join my competition called figcast3 and you've got until saturday the 30th of march to join uh that's figcast3 at www.final www.finalrunner.com join and invite your friends the bigger the pot the bigger your potential winnings so uh, spread it with your group chats or your friends I'll put it on the IG uh, community I'll put it on the FI community forum and I'll put it on Twitter Uh, what I like about it though as well is if you want to create your own game or you want to fundraise for like a uh under sevens 11 aside or whatever or for a charity uh like i was put on the spot by buzzing pool uh, in a couple uh, episodes ago you can do so and essentially the people you're fundraising for can take a percentage of the winnings and use it on whatever they like so buzzing pool and myself will be doing a competition at the beginning of next season where i think we're going to be um i think we're going to be doing a competition right at the start we're going to try and get like loads and loads of people to enter and then we're going to give uh 50 of the profits to um mcmillan uh which will be uh, for a great cause and uh, the previous game has just finished it was a lot of fun the this the pot was split i think uh i forgot who was where was the other person who split the pot with me uh somehow i managed to get to the final again which was uh, great fun but yeah definitely join and uh hopefully we can get a few uh people to enter have you, have you seen it about having you nick uh, more people trying to trying to trying to disrupt the gambling market yeah i have i have actually had had a look at it to be honest i don't know a huge amount about it but i've, I've seen people talking about it on the timeline and have a look into it nice nice uh, next question here is from fpl addict who was on the podcast uh, two or three episodes ago uh seeing as the split was by three so the big boys will be 10 quid again next season probably how do you think fi deal with higher player values in the future would it be a via a share split or another form um i mean i can't really see any other alternative but, uh, other than to have a share split if we get to that point in the future but um I think whilst the market is quite sizable, like during this share split, I mean, last time, you know, it was still in its relative infancy, so it wasn't a big undertaking for them. Um, it'll be something they'll, like, they hopefully will buy the time. If, if that time comes round, they would have become quite adept at. So if it's needed, at least they have it at their disposable, uh, at their disposal, rather. Um, and I think another reason, you know, would be in two in a year or two like the rockets will be coming out again on twitter because share split just means obviously everyone's going to make more money according to twitter could we could we not see like a, a decim- decimal alternative that, that kieran's kind of talked about before i mean I, I i haven't actually seen him talk about that on twitter i'm like i i have heard people mention that he has before and I'm i think sure. he's talked about it on um on the first podcast that he he came on or no the latest podcast that he was on I'm like, so i've just been caught out that i didn't listen to that one so apologies, <laughs> so apologies kieran if you're listening but um 
I yeah, I mean, there, there there probably will be alternatives, but it's not really my forte. It's not something I know a huge amount about, uh, sure. other than the kind of that share split nature. But also, I mean, if it moves towards P, uh, media uh, in play dividends, and you know, then you might not see the players being quite as expensive. But we're, mm. we're so far away from that that I I, I I wouldn't like to speculate. Yeah, I'm I'm uncertain what would come of it uh, at the moment. I don't think we'll. I think this might be the last share split we'll see. If I'm honest. Um, I, I do think that I'm not sure what the other forms are that FPL addict is, is alluding to. Um, Chris, sorry, I can't give you some great answers. I think there's the decimal thing. There's, you know, a percentage of uh, revenue generated by commissions that could increase volatility, whatever. I think uh, Kieran also talked about kind of an anti-share split where, you know, player prices could be uh, multiplied by a certain amount and um, so would the dividends so you could basically essentially have uh, you know instead of penny dividends you could have like a pound dividend paid out but a messy would be like 150 quid or whatever and in that scenario you'd have like um, you'd essentially have uh, you know commissions would be far greater for FI obviously the payouts would be bigger but you know they would be able to um, be the market maker in that scenario and have far bigger commissions it, I don't know I, I don't want to speculate again because there's been plenty said from myself on this podcast from other people on this podcast and from Football Index themselves the truth is we just don't know uh, the next question is from Danilo uh, what do you think of the 7% figure for the MB winners from the squad is it accurate or does it represent the percentage of winners who are now not long, no, no longer in the top 200? I know you love to crunch some numbers. Uh, I haven't done any number crunching on this. I'm not going to lie, Nick, and I'm pretty certain you haven't either. No, I haven't. I mean, I, the way that I understood that was that if you go back historically on any given day, was the player in the squad or were they in the top 100 to win it? And the answer, yeah. I think that's where the stat came from. So, I mean, unless I've unless I've misunderstood it, then I think that that's, that's it and that's all they're alluding to. But it makes sense. I mean, realistically, the only, the only thing that I can see this really changing is transfers because you're going to get, mm. if you have someone who is relatively unknown in the market who suddenly is linked to a couple of big clubs, which, you know, as we all know, doesn't take a lot, um, then you have that player, you know, if you've got like a 60p player who could suddenly win an 8p dividend, well, then you're looking at, you know, 12, 15%, whatever that would be, ROI from the purchase of that player. So that's really the only time that I can see it benefiting them. Um, I mean, people saw that like certain people were saying, you know, like players of one name, like William and that sort of thing. But I think it's that the opportunities, you know, as that stat shows are fairly few and far between from winning, um, winning the media buzz like with a player from the squad but I think in the summer is when it should come into its own the fact mm. that kind of opening up I think it's not the days it's the pence maybe like ha- like they've done the 7% figure on they've gone back through every day and they've looked at who would win in terms of percentage of actual payouts maybe not percentage of days because if it was percentage of days I think it'd be slightly higher um, because of those uh you know the treble days um when we only had mb etc i don't know if you agree i I, to be honest i don't actually know i mean it Mm. was it was it wasn't to the point where i kind of was like oh this is 100 percent how this this stat was constructed but i think the the idea was just to show that actually like you know the majority that comes from the media uh, from the uh, from the first team so that's something to consider sure uh index profit hunter here says did you expect the index to grow this big when you were working there and shortly after you left yeah i mean i, I honestly did i knew it would always get massive I, I the fact that i worked there probably illustrates that better than any explanation that i can give i mean i i would never go and work a company that i didn't believe in and i 
kind of came across them as a customer and then went to join them and you know was there for the entire kind of well I was there for about two years and it was during a time when you know they were they went from a relative infancy and they were growing a lot and it's it I always believed that it was such a good alternative and I believed in it a lot um to traditional betting and I still think I still think they're doing a fantastic job and I think there's nothing like it out there and there's still so many customers who they can appeal to um and so yeah I, I think that uh, you know, I maybe wasn't I wasn't predicting when I was there that Neymar was going to reach the heights that he has in Pogba, etc. Because the growth has been crazy. And I mean, like Pogba was. My, my, this might be wrong, and I might look like an idiot for, for saying this, but wasn't wasn't Pogba kind of like twelve or eleven, thirteen pounds like in December? Yeah, he was. He 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 hovered between. I think he went from like ten pounds to sixteen pounds, and then down to twelve pounds, and now up to twenty three or whatever. In all of, all of the last or this season, basically, yeah, it's just it's in, it's intense. Like you, I really like it's sometimes when you're you know like you and I are checking every day, and you see the growth on a very kind of um, kind of small small scale, and then you kind of actually you look at the grander picture when you zoom out a little bit and think about that, and you realize how much it's grown. But yeah, I, I've always obviously believed in the product, and I, I still do today. Hence the reason why I'm here today. Mm, yeah, especially you wouldn't uh, have a bit of money in it, and you wouldn't be taking out uh, you know a couple hours out of your day to uh, to talk about football index if you didn't believe in it. And you know who, who knows in in another life we we might have worked together, Nick, at some point at football index, which would have been fun. Would have been indeed, mate. <laughs> Uh, the next section is uh, all about uh, summer and what could happen there. So FI Bruce Wayne, our very own uh, Batman, the bat signal has been pulled out. What is your prediction for the special summer media dividend? I mean, I think it's going to be increased in some way, but I wouldn't like to put my neck on the line and say exactly what. I mean, there had been talk on Twitter. I mean, this is pure speculation from people and I don't actually mm. think this is going to be the case, but about introducing PB for some of the in, like international summer competitions, so uh, League of Nations and... Um, the copper america i believe mm. but that i can't like that's just not a draw i don't think for new players or current players for me i mean no. the competitions are so short-lived that it, the only real thing that you can see is an increase in in media buzz i don't know how that how that will like kind of shape up or what form that'll take we can all speculate but i mean that's basically just me giving it a safe guesstimate of, of that it will be something to do with a media buzz increase yeah i think um so I think there's three different things that could happen. Uh, I I agree. Like, if they did PB for those competitions, whether it's under 21s, is there the Africa Cup of Nations this summer? Am I being stupid? 21st of June to the 19th of July. Yeah, it's this summer. Um, so you've got three tournaments in terms of that, Copa America and the under 21 tournaments. Like, they could essentially open up PB for that. But... I don't know, like the way they talked about on FITV, it felt like Adam Cole said there's no major tournament this summer. So we're looking at what we can do. And also, I think wouldn't wouldn't that mean they'd have to IPO a lot of players? It just seems like a lot of work. You know, you'd have to IPO lots and lots of players from, you know, African, South American countries and then some under 21s as well. It's just. Yeah, because we, like, you and I have spoken about this in on Twitter, I think, like a, a couple of days ago, a week ago or so. And I think that you're right. It's. It's you know you're you're kind of IPOing players who then basically have no value afterwards. Mm. So it's you it, it will be really faddy, and I think that it's kind of the no, the novelty of it would probably prevent them from actually doing that. I mean, think of African Cup of Nations. Like you have to be IPOing, IPOing players at like four or five p because the quality of some of those players is absolutely appalling. So I'm going to go into my three things that I think they could do, uh, as well as obviously opening up PB. Um, they could do like a 30 day from when you buy um, 
extra MB payout. And that would force people to be buying players that are... Well, not force them, but it would encourage people to buy players that are kind of be winning dividends in the next 30 days, whether that's because of the under-21 tournaments, Copa America, Africa Cup of Nations, or, um, or you know, just general transfers. And I think the other thing it could do, it could be a whole new um, transfer buzz thing, uh, whether or not Football Index would have to create another algorithm or like another... Um, kind of a, a buzz matrix for that and it would be in a whole nother layer of buzz payouts and it would only be on transfer stories i don't know how well that would work and the other thing would be just a temporary increase in mb like back in the day nick i remember when they first increased triple media buzz that was going to be at first only for the summer so and then that was made permanent because it worked so well and it encouraged so much more trading so, you know, there's precedent for one having it in a 30 day window and there's precedent for temporary rises. Of course, again, in play dividends is still a trial and we've seen it before with the triple media increase like at, back in the day when they did it. Uh, was it summer 2017? It was, wasn't it? The the summer after the Euros, which is when we when, when it was uh, that was the summer that, you know, there was the Griezmann links and then Lukaku went to United. So it was definitely that season um, where we had yeah, the triple MB. Uh, and that was supposed to be, um, as I mentioned, that was supposed to be a temporary thing, but then was made permanent. So there's precedent for those two things. The transfer dividends uh, on top, like a layer on top, that would be that would be quite something. Again, then does it make it more complex? Um, and is it temporary? I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of work and it's going to be a lot more simple than than what we've kind of just speculated on. Uh, the like, I mean, I think people would be happy with the media buzz increase over anything else. But I mean, in terms of the way they actually go about doing it, you know, if the, if that is the way they go, then um, I'm not sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And they're announcing it what? 14th of April. I think that's the date for some reason that I've got in my mind. Would be right. I th- mine was I. I thought the 14th or the 15th, something like that. So um, yeah, we'd have to wait. It's too long to find out what, but it'd be interesting to see what they come out with. Mm, definitely uh, fi tunic are traders overlooking the announcement of special summer dividends and will you be shifting your portfolio to focus on mb players over the next month prior to share split and i think uh, tony graham says as we're starting to see summer transfer rumors building in the press which clubs do you think will have the most active will be the most active in the transfer market and what positions do you think big clubs will need to or will they fill and georgius kirisushu I'm so sorry I butchered your name, mate. When is the best time to start changing your portfolio for the summer period? Do you think that Pogba Kane should stay in your portfolios considering that they won't be as hot topics for transfers as other players like Eden Hazard? Um, summer, summer, summer. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting time. I mean, I think that for me personally, I mean, I've never been someone who's really gone after the in-play dividends. It's not something which I've focused on. So I haven't got an in-play dividend-focused portfolio, but also, as I kind of alluded to earlier on, the majority of my trading and the players I'm holding and the length of players has just it's changed quite drastically from the way it was literally four or five months ago. So I'm there's in truth there's only one player who I'm holding um, for the summer transfer who I bought right now, and that's Bruno Fernandez. I think he's he's obviously off Porto. He's 24 and he's like by far and above like the best player in that league. Um, with some real kind of good stats to back that up. And I think that he hasn't been linked to a huge amount of clubs yet. I think he was linked to Liverpool in January and he's been linked to United inevitably like any other good player in the world um, (laughs) in the past couple of days or so. But I think that the news could ramp up on him and his price could go even further. But to answer 
kind of um, focus, uh, you know, having a having a portfolio focusing on media buzz. That will, I think, for me, be the case by the summer. Now, in terms of when do I think that it would be smart to move into those media buzz players? Well, personally, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing and was kind of saying, okay, I want to build a portfolio which w- will be good for media buzz, and I think these players will earn dividends over the summer, I would be. I'd be doing it relatively soon, to be honest, because mm. you want to get ahead of the curve. And it's like, you you saw, trying to compare it to, I think, which is, gives it some sort of real world um, significance, is the way that people bought um, Champions League players who had gotten through to the knockouts. And it's, it's a similar question, as in, you know, once the group stages are finished and you're waiting for the, the, the knockout stages, when is a good time to buy those players who might have an easier run in or you think might progress? And... The answer, generally speaking, is the earlier the better. If you know that a player is going to be linked because a lot of them already are, well then, unless you're looking to make money like through kind of inter intraday trading, or there's some, you know, you think there's better money to be made in the short term from other things. Um, I think like you know, transitioning now and starting to think about it seriously is not a bad thing because we're actually not very far away from the end of the season. I mean, what's the last day of the season? Is on the fifth of May, something like that which is only just over a month away. Uh, and I think that people mm. will have that thought in their head right now, of tr- kind of transitioning into those players. Um, and I mean, we've spoken a bit about um, the kind of Kane and Pogba and holding them and whether there's any value. And I just personally would, I, if I if I owned them, which I don't, I wouldn't be holding them over the summer. I mean, okay, Hazard you might, because depending on whether Ch- Chelsea's transfer ban is upheld or whether they've, they're given a, a windows grace he obviously is going to be likely to be in the headlines a lot with the move to Real Madrid but again that kind of that is dependent on the outcome of that result and I mean obviously City people haven't really spoken about it an awful lot but City could get a ban they're being investigated by you know UEFA FIFA and um the FA and so <laughs> that, that, you know, that that could be something which which rears its head there as well and I think that the likelihood is that those clubs will get the period of grace just like Barcelona did and if that's the case then we could actually be in for just a, a pretty mad summer with com- um, with clubs for example and this is kind of answering Tony's question as well like Real they're obviously going to need to spend hugely because of the season they've had um, and Bayern have already said they're going to spend and they already have been spending with like mm. Teo Hernandez and you know, the other, it looks like they well you know it kind of went quiet but they it was speaking about um, that Pepe had had basically a, uh, an agreement come come into fruition so I don't know I mean I just think that me personally the way I'm going to trade over the summer is I'm going to hold the players who I think are going to be in the media a lot um, to do with moves and potential moves whether they're actually whether that is in reality what's going to happen because the reality and what the media talk about we know are two mm. different things but then also have some money to the side where you see links from players who are maybe a little bit cheaper who you can buy higher volumes and make make kind of take advantage of those um, those short-term gains so hopefully that answers give or take the three questions mm, yeah well done there three and one three birds one stone i've actually written down the names of the clubs that i think will move the needle uh this summer um so united obviously i think uh, a right back uh a center back for sure uh, there's been lots of chat about you know various center backs linked to them uh, probably a central midfielder and maybe one forward uh arsenal uh a right back you know with bellerin's injuries a center back uh, and probably a forward or kind of like creative player uh liverpool uh, probably you, you can answer this as a, a liverpool fan probably better uh, but I, I presume probably looking for another forwardish player it's maybe looking for an out and out ten, but it depends on what, what when when the ox comes back, and it depends how. Yeah. Because if he like people say, yeah, we need a centre back, but then it's 
Joe Gomez was like, you know, playing incredibly well. So we don't need a necessarily a starting centre back. So the the licked, uh, links to Liverpool, I'm not sure about, but yeah, and probably like we do need an attacking player. There's someone who's kind of a utility player. Mm-hmm. I mean, like someone probably look kind of like a similar-ish to Shaqiri, and maybe a central midfielder if um, you know Navigator doesn't improve. Uh, City again, depending on their transfer ban, but again, they're they're linked to centre backs. Uh, Aguero is getting on a bit. Is Gabriel Jesus going to be good enough to to do everything on his own? So I think they'll probably look at like a, a forward. Uh, David Silva's getting on. I know, obviously, they've been looking for kind of a number six. Fernandinho uh, is 34. Is not getting any un- younger company as well. Is not getting any younger are they going to go for a left back as well lots of chat about like Ben Chilwell um, so that that would be interesting Spurs should we just skip them <laughs> I'm joking um, you just never know like Spurs could spend no money like I, I don't know what to say about maybe they, they probably need another like a another person who can play like that number 10 or like behind the striker or probably a centre mid actually considering that um you know, is Dembele probably going to go to China when his contract runs out uh, or whatever? Chelsea again, if if you know, did, didn't didn't they sell Dembele? Did he go? Oh yeah, he, oh, yeah, he did. He went for like eleven million, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was really like it went under the radar, and I remember seeing it and just realizing that I hadn't heard anything about it. But yeah, I mean, like, also you could quite easily see a Gareth Bale situation where Spurs sell Ericsson for a hundred mil and they just buy like five or six players. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Didn't he? He um. He went for like 10 million as well. That's pretty decent business from Spurs. I remember all the fans being pissed off because of how much he went for. It's 11 million, but he he is 31 and he's got a terrible injury, injury history. So And he had he had like six months left on his contract, didn't he? I mean, it was probably just a, a classic Spurs move just to like make get a little bit of money out of the situation. <laughs> before we upset any more Spurs fans, we'll move on to Chelsea. Uh, that's what I was talking about before. Probably definitely a goal-scoring midfielder. Um, potentially a replacement for Hazard. Obviously, Pulisic is coming in. Um, are they going to extend that loan on Higuain? Is Sarri still going to be the manager? Like, um, maybe uh, you know they've probably got a lot of loanees that can come back. Um, David Luiz is out of contract in the summer. Do they need to go out and get a centre back? Uh, Emerson and Alonso good enough? Like, I've seen a bit of both of them this season. I just, I don't really think either of them are amazing. Um, so it's going to be, you know, there could be wholesale changes at loads of Premier League clubs. And then moving on to Germany, Bayern, you already kind of alluded to, um, they've already got Pavard coming in. Um, Hernandez looks like he's going to come in, even though that's kind of a strange signing. Uh, Pepe has been rumoured as well. Obviously, uh, Jovic and... Um, and Werner are both being kind of touted as Lewandowski's long-term replacement if they get him in now and then like loan him out or whatever, who, whichever one they get or, or if they get another striker. Um, and then obviously, you know, uh, they've recently, they're looking at, still look, probably going to look at Callum hudson Adoy, aren't they? Uh, so another winger is probably on their agenda if they don't get Nicola Pepe. And then uh, Dortmund, I don't know. Uh, they've already got their, they've already gone for their... Um, they've gone for the permanent signing of uh, Alcacer are they going to sell someone this summer who knows like a centre-back um, or are they going to sell Sancho uh, are they going to sell uh, someone else at that club like uh, even uh, Witzel who joined in the summer has been linked to other player teams like you never know who's going to leave Dortmund because money talks for them and then uh, you've got Inter Juve Milan Napoli Roma looks like Inter are just going for loads of old players are they getting like Godin in the summer aren't they or something like that it's uh, 
it's it's nuts. They're just like, <laughs> let's get as many old players as possible. Juve, um, depends if Allegri's still manager, right? Uh, they definitely need some midfielders. They probably need a centre-back. They've been really heavily linked to Delict. Um, and then maybe another forward player. Uh, Milan, they've got a bit more money now and uh, they're looking to kind of hustle and bustle with uh, Leonardo and um, Gazidis. They've brought in Piontek and... Um, and Paqueta right so they'll probably be looking at uh, if they don't lose any players maybe another winger like an out and out winger or something like that Napoli again you never know who they're going to sell Roma as well with Monkey just leaving like they could literally you know they're probably going to sell Cenkizunda or you know Saniolo or um you know, uh, wouldn't be surprised you see like Cloyvert move. I know that's weird, but uh, they've just got so many players that that could just leave, and you wouldn't really bat an eyelid just because of the way they operate. Uh, and then, who are they going to get in? Are they going to be looking at getting in those kind of like under the radar players from the era divisa or whatever? Um, and then, uh, go on. Sorry, there's so much potential in terms of what clubs need, but also, yeah, something which we saw in January was a lot of it. They kind of take that chain of events to actually allow multiple moves to happen in some cases. Like, yeah, you see, you know, the Morata situation with Higuain, and it's a lot. A lot of the time, you know, if a club go, well, yeah, we we happily let the player that you want go as long as we find a replacement for them. So, a kind of it needs to be a perfect storm in that sense. But when that happens, we can just see a flurry of activity. Uh, and I think uh, obviously you mentioned Madrid. Uh, who knows what could happen there? Barca again. They they look to have shifted their model to kind of combining their youth talents to um, to obviously spending a lot. And then PSG they've just been acquitted by UEFA, right? So um, they can spend freely, as as I understand it. I don't know. Um, I think they would, um, think they would anyway, but yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll move on. Uh, we've spoken about the summer quite a lot. Uh, Fi Dabala twenty seven. Will the introduction of other similar businesses, and he says similar in kind of like um, air quotes, such as Footstock, have an effect on football index in the long term? I mean, I won't talk on too too much on uh, these sorts of things because I don't like one. I'm not in too knowledgeable about this Footstock, etc. But I mean, uh, they'll if. If, if football index is profitable like any other business, there'll be other people who will look to compete with them. That's just a fact. It's like mm. it's the way the way that uh, the way that the world works. But um, I think that there's also you know ways of doing going about it. And I think that you know, the only thing I know about Footstock is the video that I've watched, and it was like abhorrent. That it was like honestly <laughs> as a promo video, I just think it was just like absolute shambolic. There was ways to go about things, and I think that's probably not the way to go about it. But never like I said, you know, if, if people uh, other gambling companies see that football index are making money then inevitably they will look to to kind of get involved in in this almost new new sector of gambling they've introduced i mean you know use use for example um i don't know if you've heard of the company jewel who run the, um they run a business which sells uh, e-cigarettes what are they called sorry it's called jewel it's j-u-u-l they're basically like a, a, a smoking alternative they just they're a company who sell e-cigarettes basically but the the model that they've got, I'm obviously not going to go into it because it's not really that relevant. But it's you'll see the point that I'm making is that they have got you know they, they're increasing in their market share in the e-cig community, and they've the, the company has increased in valuation so drastically over the past year or so that um, I think Marlboro have taken a thirty percent stake in the business, and it's mm. it's that's the sort of thing which you can see happening in football index with, you know, if they start taking market market share away from some of these bookmakers, then inevitably some of them will look to kind of, you know, 
stem the bleeding, so to speak, um, or people you know who aren't bookmakers who are looking at the kind of entering into the market in what is a relatively early stage. So I think it will happen. It's just uh, it's a matter of time, really. But whether they do it well and whether it competes with them, whether they're the same product, they're all the important questions, which obviously no one has any answers to. So many variables, and I mean, I've I've I looked at it a little bit when I got the question question in. Um, Indiegogo are not the best uh, crowdfunding platform. Uh, and look like i'm gonna have massive bias because i'm you know uh known as the the non-official football index ambassador or whatever you want to call it but you know if you're raising only five thousand euros or whatever it was i think that was the initial aim or was it ten thousand euros? i don't know i don't like that is a small amount to start a company with and i know digital companies like they have smaller overheads but nick you can probably talk about this better than me but when Nick first raised it was 500k right it, it, over 100 to over a million and i mean like at the time i was a student and didn't didn't participate uh, i was kind of just like that money that i had to 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 use was put into football index in itself um so <laughs> I don't know like look if you're raising 10k on a platform like Indiegogo which aren't the best you know you're starting off in in not the best of scenarios in my opinion like I don't really I don't really know why you're starting off with that I'm sure in their prospectus they're probably talking about you know paying for optadata or paying for gambling licenses but those things aren't cheap um so if that's all that you're using your money on like you know i just i'm struggling to put two and two together uh maybe someone will can enlighten me and whatever but um i don't know i don't know um any other comments on that before we move on no i'm not i mean i'm not particularly worried about footstock as an individual company like challenging football index um i think that like you know with talking you briefly touched on uh What's it called? Um, like gambling licenses, and like they don't just give them out willy nilly. Like that's a difficult <laughs> thing to do. And I think that yeah, the ten grand not going to go that far. But anyway, yeah, that's that's all I've really got to say on it. Venga New, uh, what do you think of the role that Football Index plays on social media? Is it right, for example, that FI Twitter account, uh, the FI Twitter account, promotes articles written by FR traders that discuss individual players? I mean, I haven't really got an awful lot to say on this, other than the fact that. It's you have to remember because the like the market is quite niche in terms of what it actually does and how many people have um, have kind of like know about it. They they kind of need people who are traders to write articles because if you had articles written by people who knew nothing about the index and the articles weren't really that interesting to people who traded on the index, then it would be a problem. But on the flip side of that coin, I do also see the problem that arises with people feeling like football index are pumping players themselves for example by allowing traders to write about players who they may hold may not hold so there's some sort of controversy there but it's like they just i think it's not something to get too bogged down on and i think that they're um they do them to kind of give you know just to give the community a little bit more content yeah i I see the concerns i'd hazard a guess that not that many people read those articles um like i can't I can't see those articles drastically uh, moving the needle at the moment. But if you multiply the amount of traders reading it by, you know, five, say in 12 months, then then maybe it becomes a problem. Um, and I do think that Football Index have in their T's and C's, and maybe you can talk about this as well, Nick, about uh, kind of having prior knowledge or knowledge that isn't available to the public. Um, which, again, you know, some of these journalists or some of these accounts may do. 
if you're seen to be kind of buying or buying in bulk those players, you can actually get banned, right? I mean, I don't, I don't really know the ins and outs of it. Uh, like when when I was there, like the market was relatively small compared to what it is now. Um, but obviously, they don't want, they don't like. There's there's a number of issues with people having um, having the ability to like manipulate the market. So, for example, you know, a good one would be that's come into my mind at least would be like kind of the media buzz and the fact that like if there are journalists who knew about the the, uh, the index who could you know write an article for example with specific words it would uh, kind of give certain scores on uh for the media buzz now i'm like mm. whether that happens or not i don't know but then it's also a reason again to kind of pivot away from media buzz because you take that kind of element out of this out of the situation which could one day be significant because it makes sense right like as the market gets bigger people look for ways to arbitrage okay on to our next question uh, tom mitchum uh mitchum sorry do you see a big dip in pb non-transfer players or do you plan so far in advance now that prices will be sustained um i can't see the play the prices being sustained necessarily for these really expensive players that being said the ones who are kind of non-transfer PBs. That being said, I don't think they're going to plummet because there are plenty of people who will be happy to hold them over the summer and just know that when the season comes back in, they still own these players. And by the time the season comes around, they will have, they'll inevitably be higher than they are now. Um, it just depends on the trading, I think, trading behaviour of the individual in question. I think that if you're looking to make short-term money on these transfer rumours, then inevitably you would to free up funds. Um, so I think that that will result in a dip of the non-transfer related PB players. But I don't think it's going to be significant. I'm not going to see crashes in players because realistically, it's only for a couple of months. And I think that people planning for PB will probably be buying towards, you know, like maybe a month before the beginning of the season, which only leaves a kind of a two month period in between. Mm. I, I do think that as soon as, you know, pre-season starts, etc., um I, I just, in general, I, how much will a player drop PB if they're just a PB player before someone is, is like, oh, season starts in two months, I'm buying now. And beca- because of the increase in dividends, that's going to be even more um, appealing. No, I agree. I think that you're, you're entirely right there. And I think that like, that that is what actually maintains players a lot of the time, uh, players' prices rather. I mean, it's, you know, it's almost a similar situation to if you look at it on a granular scale to a player getting injured, if you see like, oh, De Bruyne is injured and he's out for two months, well, he'll obviously take a take a dip initially, but then there will come a point not too far into that dip where people will go, actually, he's really good value now right? and he's not going to be out forever, so I may as well buy him and that will be the case probably there. Hmm. Uh, next question from Brad Kemsley. Do you anticipate the top end of the market rocketing again immediately after the split? And how long before we see the likes of Neymar and Pogba hitting fifteen pounds again? I mean, fifteen pounds in like in new money is that's a big, big rise. It's so a lot. I think we're it quite, really is. Yeah. Well, well, I think we're like we're we're a while away from that now. But I think to be honest, we never know. Like it's just if it keeps growing, 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 you actually we can't necessarily rule it out. But um, in terms of the the market rocketing immediately after the split good question i mean certain players in the market are rocketing anyway um i think that there's money still in cash balances which is my just my feeling my gut feeling because didn't like as you alluded to earlier on not a lot of money went into the in-play dividend players so mm. people people might be waiting i mean if you're waiting i don't really know why but if you uh, if people are then then there could be but i do also think that once the football gets started again and once the rumors start coming in like sancho is just one that i 
right now I like I can't bring myself to buy him at his price, but I know that he'll go up again. And I know I know that he will over the next like month or so because he'll be scoring goals and just these links, just because he's an English player and now he's kind of come into his own, he's starting for England and this, that and the other. I think that he mm. he's one especially I think that could could go and I don't even own him, so I don't know why I'm trying to pump him. <laughs> um anyway uh next question uh would you agree this is from soccer index would you agree that fi's target customer has changed in the past year less interest in big investors versus lots of small investors as evidenced through decrease in deposit bonuses and this is you know kind of not how a traditional gambling model works and i think you can talk about this a bit more nick last time you came on you talked about the importance of whales with um with gambling in general i mean a lot of thing is football index works slightly different because they're more like a poker room in terms of taking a rate from all every single hand or you know trader that, that's made but mm. in gambling in general i mean casinos for example casinos aren't built on having tons of players who are losing 10 pounds a week they're built on the whales um so in that respect it's kind of an odds game but to be honest with you i think that the way in which they're targeting players might have changed into uh, new users rather um has changed in terms of kind of the attractiveness of these short-term dividends and people trading with high volumes and that sort of thing. Um, but what was the end of that question? It was, uh, oh, yeah, the, I don't think the, de- the, the, the decrease in deposit bonuses is really evidence of that. I think it's more evidence of the fact that obviously people want deposit bonuses because everyone wants free money. Like that's an, an, an easy conclusion to come to. But at the same time, it's not, they'll only do that when them as a company see it as necessary. And the companies like the business and the platform and player prices have been growing so substantially over the last couple of months that it's just not necessary. And that's, I said on Twitter, I don't think they will do another deposit bonus. I really can't see it. Um, but inevitably people will always ask. I think we could actually see one um i'm not sure when but i think we could see one at some point maybe as i mentioned right we we just talked about the number of the number of uh deposits maybe wasn't that high uh on the share split announcement it was probably money being held back in cash balances uh the the volumes of trades we saw in those in play dividend players maybe wasn't that high um and and again like a did some of those PB players go up as much as, or did some of the big boys go as much uh, up as much as uh, FI wanted them to, or thought they would? No one knows. Um, but eighty percent of your profits come from like twenty percent of your customers, right? That's the general model for for most businesses. So FI make their most money from those bigger accounts, and that's kind of just the way that their business model was set up. So there, it's in their interest to please the big investors uh, and i think that won't change unless the business model pivots and i ha- you know there's no inkling that i have that i think their business model is going to change drastically in the next even you know 12 to 18 months mm. yeah it's it, it's a tough one to address because with football index it's like i understand that the majority of gambling companies make the majority of money from a small proportion of the players but with football index i think because a lot of the really big fish that you've got who has, who've got a lot of money invested a lot of those guys are holding on to the players for a long time so even though they make they might make quite a lot of money from these guys if these people are just buying Pogba at five pounds and like putting 50 grand into him or what have you and then just leaving him they're not going to make that much profit from him from that particular player 
which also could factor into the thinking towards you know why why they've actually decided to increase in play dividends now but to be honest you could have a pod on this like this individual topic on itself because it's so comprehensive and there's so much to talk about there is so much to talk about uh sadler fi trader now that the share split is almost here and it's going to be on tuesday so two days from when this goes out what in your view, will be the next step or promotion we see implemented by the guys at FI. For example, order books, tiered media buzz, plus possibly as the special dividend mentioned by Adam for Nations League, or maybe a cheeky deposit bonus. I, I mean, I'm going to be boring here, but this is actually genuinely what I think, rather than just sitting on the fence and think that they're not going to change anything for a while now. I just can't see it. I think that they have to. They're going to come on. They'll, they'll, they would come under scrutiny if they kept changing things because people who have got a lot of money in there will go well it's such a risk for me to have money in there when well, this amount of money in there when you just kind of turn around and say okay we're changing everything completely and if there's if there's ever that worry in people's minds as customers i think that people will be reluctant to put in the kind of money that we're seeing people put in so i think it's important to have these periods of stability and where there's a period of continuity where the product remains the same and people are able to get used to the way the market behaves in response to those changes um i can't really see anything i mean look the deposit bonus you none of us really know it depends on you know how, like the volumes of trading whether they want to have a little boost like if they're going to do one i would say that it would be at the beginning of next season maybe make sense or just before um but again i mean i've you know i've said that i'm not sure they will do one uh, like again but again you know never say never uh the next question is from cy underscore football index how do you think real time in play dividends as alluded to by Adam Cole will impact the rules surrounding buying those players for IPD. Will it mean you must hold the player at the time the event occurs, like an anytime goal scorer a bit? Um, have you got any any thoughts on this? Like, I haven't thought about it too much. <laughs> I haven't actually thought about it at all. It's an interesting question. Um, you, I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna allow people to buy if they're paying out in real time. They're not gonna allow someone to buy after the event and then pay out on it surely because that's just like. <laughs> it, it, but I mean, they're allowing it now, right? Like, like well, they, they are, but then it's not real time payouts, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it doesn't make. I mean, if it's real time, then you wouldn't be able to buy afterwards and then be paid out, right? But I mean, it depends. Yeah, like, it depends how real time we're talking. But I, I mean, I, I don't really know. I haven't thought about the question. I have no idea. But it is great that like every announcement or everything that's done, uh, there's someone out there who will kind of pick a hole and be like. Well, actually, you've mentioned this, but how would that work? And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to talk about Adam Cole as the CEO, not the, you know, the chief operating officer, not the chief technology officer, uh, you know, not the chief marketing officer. This is a guy that has the ideas, doesn't necessarily implement them, right? So, um, you know... I've worked, you know, in a company where, you know, your CEO will come up with an idea and I'm sure you're the same, Nick. Someone in the senior management might say, well, actually, we can't do this because of that or we can't do this because of this. Because they know on a granular scale, you know, in their particular special, like specialism, what, what works and what wouldn't. So, yeah, it's just Adam is an ideas guy and he's the guy who, you know, constructed this whole thing that we're all obsessed with exactly that is now got a podcast about it which is great playing cards one this is from the football index forum um he's got three questions fi has now broken out this as the startup phase and is a proper challenger brand what additional steps does it need to take to become a really established blue chip mainstream part of the sports gambling market so i mean i think they're they're already being considered to be a, a relative player i mean obviously not in terms of revenue when you compare them to like the bet 365 of this world but at the same time, I think they um, they are making they're making progress, and I think that a lot of these things 
for example, the like the display advertising that they're doing at like Premier League games and other games. Um, I think like they're important at this point to raise brand awareness. I think that those things are that's one key thing. I think that once people find out about Football Index and they actually know that it exists, then it almost markets itself because it, as we've all found out from where, wherever we joined or whenever we any of us joined, it's the product itself is strong and it's it's a great idea that football fans immediately take to. So I think it's just a matter of raising that brand awareness going forward and just like keeping their name out there and keeping it, you know, in in the in the mouths of people who are who are playing in the product, etc. And I think that way, it, the the brand will just organic organically grow. And I think that we're getting to a point where we're seeing it snowball because, oh, you know, I'm making X amount of money on Football Index. Give it a go, and you can get get ten pound from your mate from referring your mate. So that's that's some sort of incentive. But but yeah. Hmm. Uh, he's got another one. Best trade and worst trade. Fuck, that's a good question. Um, to, to be honest, I have a really bad memory when it comes to things like this, especially now because I'm just trading so much. But what is my worst? I, I I can't think of what my best trade is. I mean, I've made decent amounts of money on a, loads of different players, but um, worst trade I made. I actually don't know. I should. I saw this question and like I'm kind of in passing when uh when you sent them over and i didn't really think about it that much i should have um i actually don't know it's just put me on the spot i'm i'm sure i've made a couple of absolutely atrocious trades but i just can't remember them off the top of my head unfortunately you try and forget them right yeah exactly that's it the, tra- the, tra- <laughs> the trader mentality move on to the next one okay uh dalian smith again from the football index forum i've got a question former fi employee or theatrical production entrepreneur nick morris is welcome to be on the receiving end the international break is a cold dark uh, pb list place where only paul bogba can fill the fi void with a media friendly sound bites about his new hairstyle and his love for real madrid for those of us whose portfolio players hairstyle does not command global attention there are small offerings is it not high time that fi introduced pb rewards on competitive international football even dare i say under 21 given the youth bubble in fi uh a welcome introduction for all i'm sure and we've talked about this before nick but why don't we round this off about maybe the the struggles of why you know for example providing pb for under 21s would be difficulty yeah i mean like if people if people get pissed off with like the current trends with youth and youth not playing and being six pound fifty and all this sort of thing, you I dread to think what would happen to the market if you introduce under twenty ones because the balance between the good teams and the bad teams is is a lot lot, lot less than it is in a professional level and you would get like it would be absolute chaos. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's, it's a difficult uh, point where they have to address, which we've kind of obviously spoken like uh, kind of numerous times today about, which is that some players don't have any intrinsic value over the summer, so there there might be a dip. But to be honest with you, they're kind of they're trying obviously trying to address it with whatever this they're going to announce on the fifteenth. Um, and you know who knows they might they might introduce PB for international competitions, but truth is none of us really know. Mm, mm, we we just don't know. We just don't know. Uh, any other business? Anything you want to talk about, uh, Nick? Before you leave, no, us? Before you leave I, us? Not, not really. I, no, I think that it's uh, yeah, it's been a good 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 conversation. I, like, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's nice talking about these things and being put on the spot and being made to think about these things. So um, 
Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No worries, mate. Anytime. You're always welcome to come on. I'm a stellar guest as usual. If you guys are commuting, I hope this makes your commute whiz by. If you're not commuting, do whatever you're doing. Um, you know, trying to get on the FI app, but then it's interrupting your podcast musings. Um, if you're cleaning your stables, if you're in the bath, if you're doing the washing, if you're, oh, I don't know, cleaning your toilet which is another one that someone's pointed out to me which is a weird one uh, sorry if we didn't answer all your questions obviously we got loads and i posted this on uh, wednesday or whatever it was and by the time it got to saturday we had like over 40 questions so i had to kind of pick and choose so uh, apologies if we didn't get through to all of them uh, but in general have a great day and thanks for listening